Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, children, and welcome to episode 19 of the On My Dime On Your Time podcast. I'd like to take a second to wish you all a happy holidays and a happy new year. This is going to be last the last episode for 2020. It's been a pretty interesting journey, man. Like I'm just like reflect, just looking back right now about how many episodes I've released, how much I've learned, and um, how many people I've had the pleasure of speaking with. And this episode is no exception. If you read the title, you already know it's featuring Chris Wong of Coded. Coded is a clothing brand. Not really a clothing brand, more of like an accessories brand, even though he is going to be branching out into clothes, as you'll see later on in the podcast. They focus more on like the technical side of fashion, like tech wear, if you will, even though like I don't think that's what it should be called. There has to, like even though that's the name that it's given in the modern fashion, like zeitgeist, that shouldn't be the name because that sparks visions of like the aesthetic with like straps everywhere and chains and swords and guns but that's not what it is chris is actually a really cool guy we talk a lot about but more of like the nuances of tech wear we talk about a little bit like about like tech wears like progress as long like progression in um i'm stuttering a lot today wow we talk a lot about tech wear as it, as it's going to progress in the upcoming years and then we talk about his his design process because i think that's really interesting with for a lot of brands everyone has like a lot of things that they do pretty similar and there's a lot of things that I actually do differently as well. And Chris, the way I like the way Chris approaches his design, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If you guys want to see more episodes like this, uh, drop the episode to download on Spotify and give me a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps me out a ton. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Enjoy the podcast, guys. All right, Chris, how about you introduce yourself to the people and like tell, tell the people what it is that you do? Hey, so uh, my name is uh, Chris, kind of also known as Chris JSW, and I guess what I do is more, uh, I kind of feel like I'm in more of a creative experimental process in the things that I do, but a lot of my core focus is to create things that I feel it's necessary to have in the world, but at the same time, try to innovate or evolve something that we currently have, which I feel that should excel, I guess, like at this point, kind of could be anything at the moment, whether it's clothes or like bags, a lot of stuff I do is kind of like very bag oriented. All right, man. Cool. So how did you get into like, more of like the technical side of fashion, like we'll call it tech wear for like the sake of conversation. Yeah. But were you, did you like, when you got into like this whole fashion space, like I see on your Instagram, you wear a lot of like acronym and stuff. Like how did you yeah. like progress like through fashion kind of thing? Like what, like, what did you start uh, with like dressing like, and then how did you end up here? Yeah, I think that really comes to a really long origin story, but I'll try to keep it short. But oh, uh, I guess yeah, it's around in high school. Around in high school, I guess I wasn't the person that people would like to associate themselves with, but I still have uh, friends that still want to be my friend just because I guess they found some interest or liking, like, or maybe some commonality because of, you know, like, Filipino, like, I'm a Filipino or something like that. So throughout, like, my years in high school, I'm kind of like this really nerdy, like, Asian kid that just kind of really quiet 
to himself and uh never really liked talking to anybody i spent a lot of time just isolating myself and kind of like my my own business and stuff but uh i guess i just get like picked on all the time at school so that also deterred me from like socializing with others and stuff but somehow i found ways and just like you know people kind of looked beyond that and we became friends and uh at one point i guess during my senior year uh well, my friends were kind of like, hey, uh, why don't you like, you need to work on your social skills or, or like how you present yourself. I was like, I don't really like care about those things. Why do those things like matter? And they're like, well, if you want to get a girlfriend or whatever, you got to like, you know, clean up or whatever, and just like get better at like talking to other people. I was like, oh, all right, I guess. So the, so they went, you know, on an agenda to like give me a quote unquote makeover or like try to influence me to be like a better person, like socially, because my social aspect is not very good or up to par or whatever. <laughs> so um, they started addressing me like in the, I think at the time it was really, it was about like baggy pants and like baggy shirt phase and then from there it was that skater phase with the whole vans skinny jeans and shirt and I was just you know they were just they took me to like packs and I was just like hey you should wear this 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 and this and I was like all right okay I guess I'll just wear that whatever and uh, from there I guess I got compliments from people and I was like oh, okay that felt kind of good you know like I got these compliments and uh, eventually I got a job at like Macy's men. And then I was like very immersed in like, oh, why are they selling these clothes at stores? So you'll see brands that are like Stussy, like LRG, and then like all these Levi's with these number, you know, like all the uh, weight style numbers. So I got really curious and just kind of delved into the whole fashion phase from that point. And then I got into uh, streetwear in the early like I think 2008 and then that was the era where everybody was really in the Nike SBs and like collecting them and there's the hundreds and Supreme Stussy so that's how I got into fashion as a whole so after that phase I think I bought a couple of shirts and I was like, okay, I washed them maybe like once or twice through a machine and they came out pretty messed up. Like the shirt is not even anymore or oh like maybe God. they're like outstretched. And I was like, what? Like I spent like $40 buying this graphic tee. Like, why don't they like, I, I only took them to, to one cycle. That sucked, you know? And you know, as, as that stuff goes, I kind of take a notice that I guess some of these prices don't justify like how I feel like this thing is worth because it's just a plain cotton graphic tee, like 100% cotton or whatever. And later on, my friend was like, hey, you should check out this Tumblr. And I was like, what's a Tumblr? And so he's like, I think you might be into this style or something. And at the time, uh, there was a Tumblr um, what do you call it? Like screen name called the Techwearist. And I was like, what is that? So I went to look at his Tumblr feed. I was like, oh wow, this is pretty cool. You know, like I see brands that were like 
Issa Aura, and a lot of it were like cycling gear oriented. And I was like, okay, let's uh, dive into like Issa Aura and Y3. And so I bought some stuff. Obviously, uh, it took a while to save some money to get that stuff. And I think by that time I was like in junior college. So I really just delved into like the sneaker culture still. From like SBs, I was just like super into Y3. So I bought a lot of Casas. And I guess from there, that's just where I started to find other brands in that nature. And uh, I saw one brand particularly was called Acronym at the time. I was like, what is that? What am I looking at? And I saw this cloak and it was like the CP1. And at that point, I went to their site and I was like, oh, this is a pretty expensive. Wow, it's $800. Like, why is it $800? And then there's all these technical specs and I was like, okay, like, I don't get what a, I, I don't get what a shoulder is or like what these textile means. And I'm sure there's a reason why it costs that much. And at the same time, I got into picking up a sewing machine. So I started doing my own DIY. And since I can't afford acronym at the time, I took every single picture I could find online, compiled it together. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try and copy this, but then also make it in a way that I feel that it's not the exact same. So I did a lot of exploration with just learning all these information on YouTube on how to sew. And so I started making that same exact cloak, but in my own twist. And from there, that's how I end up where I am right now. Long story short. Cool, man. When you say that you um, like you make the clothes like similar to what like an existing model is, do you kind of deviate from that like set thing to keep yourself original, or do you do it more to like maybe to like to add features that you wish were there, like existing in like the main piece, like the main line piece kind of thing? Right. So um, for the acronym cloak, it was very it was really getting down to like every single detail because I had no knowledge of sewing whatsoever. And it was more like, Hey, I want to own this, but then I also didn't want to copy the same exact thing. So I was also trying to think outside the box, whether or like, is there some improvements to this garment or what are some features that I feel like I wish that it, it could have in the existing one. So yeah, a lot, I would say a lot of it was copy to learn, but then at the same time, I care about um, plagiarism because uh, a lot of my friends were all into the arts, except for me. And they were like, you know, like we just definitely do not like want to do that. Okay, absolutely. That yeah. Yeah. Like, as you were like getting into tech where you kind of played at like all the different levels of price i'm sure you bought a bit of like fast fashion technical clothes like to start with and you got into like y3 and isa aura and then you like went to like the higher tier with like the acronym and stuff with a lot of like what i see on instagram like there's a lot of like younger people getting into like tech wear which i think we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later do you think like the current budget tech wear brands that are existing like your Taobao's your Umoro like Rain Delusion like they're really like the cheaper item like the cheaper brands do you think they're even worth investing in or do you think it's a better option to save the money that you would use to buy like a jacket 
a mid layer and a pair of pants and rather spend that to buy something from Gorilla Group or Y3 or Enfant Leve maybe? Honestly, I would go tell everybody, hey, like it might be long to save up, but you really should because it will be much more worth it in the end. And like with a couple other brands that like you mentioned, what was it Umaro and then Rain Bean? Like I have no idea what they were. So I went and looked it up to see what they were. So oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this also comes back to like how quote unquote tech where is at the moment. I feel like it's it's kind of at a point where it's like very fashion, like fashion focus or like how many pockets there are. Look at all these pockets. Like they don't, it doesn't have like that deeper thought to the technical aspect of like why those pockets are placed there or what kind of textile are these and are, and are these textile like backed with like better materials or like where it's manufacturing and stuff. So I think people need to take a lot of that in consideration. But then I also feel like anybody that's got got into fashion and maybe tech wear is like the first thing they got into, they would be more inclined to spend less money just because, you know, it's easily accessible. But yeah, I guess that's just how I view it right now. Even like in the Instagram, if you go and like type in hashtag tech where you're going to see like these really like hardcore shooters like I can't even call them school shooter style because I don't really know how to like really name them but they they're like holding katanas or maybe they have guns and then they're just dressed in all black with straps everywhere and none of that like really make any sense to me so in that aspect it's kind of like that identity of what I knew techwear was is no longer the same anymore. And I don't even like know what to call the identity that I associate techwear with at the moment, other than like, yeah, I'm just into, you know, technical clothing or like I'm into this brand. Usually I just tell people like, yeah, I'm into these brands. These are like the ones I really like and I tell them why. So yeah, to me, like techwear kind of died for me. Like, in 2016 or 17 around those two years because that's when it got really big and I was like okay what's going on why is there these you know there's just <laughs> I just find them kind of like hilarious in some sense like wow like it really shifted and it's became something else that I no longer kind of relate to at the moment because I think you know like labels and sub genres like all get their own identity based on like how many people back those ideas, right? So, you know, like maybe somebody else who's in the streetwear, maybe like 10 years ago and they see streetwear now, it's like, oh, okay, like I can't relate to this because it's not, it's kind of changed to something else that, you know, like. Yeah, but like with streetwear, it's kind of like, similar stuff like even when you were getting into like the full fashion scene nike sbs were huge right they're kind of coming into a resurgence now supreme's still big stussy's still reasonable right so it's like i i get what you're saying though but i think streetwear is kind of like it just comes in waves with techwear is kind of going in different directions kind of thing i don't know yeah techwear is kind of like all over the place right now and it kind of I just depends who you talk to this cluster fuck on fashion instagram i've ever seen 
Yeah, it really is. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh my. But like, but yeah, it's kind of going the way of like most like niche things in fashion are going. Like even with like the avant-garde people, like people are just like, okay, cool, big converse, and it's just like weird pants, and like it's the it's become a lot like like you were saying with tech, where it has become a lot less deep, and it's more about like, okay, cool, get the look down. And then you don't really care about the craftsmanship and about like why Rick did it this way or why Arelson did it that way or how, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. Maybe it's just that I'm also getting older at the same time. So like, I think it's just natural for things to change and identities change as well. And it has its own shift, but you know, you still have people who you can bond with who like got into the same, that genre that year and you guys just like talk about and like what commonality you guys have so I think it's just natural I guess like when things change and just have their own shift but yeah is there a lot of gate gatekeeping in the tech in like the technical fashion community like as as much as there is in let's say like avant-garde you know what that's a good I would say yeah evenly I just think like every genre in fashion there is going to be somebody who's going to be gatekeepy in that essence because I guess they just don't want like other people to the things the things like they believe in to be of you know would change for them. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think. With all that being said, do you think techwear has the potential to grow to like the level of popularity that say like streetwear or like the workwear aesthetic or avant-garde is because like the way I see it as like an outsider looking in it's kind of like the un like the untapped genre of fashion like streetwear is huge avant-garde became huge recently archive became like ridiculous recently vintage is growing like day by day techwear hasn't really achieved that level of mass popularity that I think these other branches have do you think it has that potential and and I, I feel like we both agree we don't, we don't really want it to kind of go down that road, but do you think it has the potential to do so? I think, I think it kind of already has. And I just think that, you know, how like when we look, so like the way I see techwear is it's, I think it's more like a subgenre within a subgenre because, you know, you have your tech ninja look, which is like acronym Adidas. And then you have your casual tech, it's kind of like outlier. Mm -hmm. And then you have your tech-focused fashion, which is Arteryx oh, okay. and Isaora. So it's like, it's like a subgenre within a subgenre. And I don't think techwear was necessarily like a label that's used to be like, oh, in tandem with like, oh, this is streetwear. Because I think a lot of techwear, like DNA, has to do with the idea for uh, you know, like comfort, versatility in the urban environment, and then like maybe some uh, technical cuts for more f uh, range of movement. So, and I think all these three DNA and ideas that's what make techwear is, is part of like natural innovation with like just clothing. Cause even like with clothing, like textile is always evolving and then eventually like, why would we use cotton? Like, let's just say, for example, like, why would we use cotton when we can have cotton blend, you know, with elastine involved in antimicrobial properties? So eventually, like, 
all these other like things are going to become obsolete. And I think like the DNA of techware itself is going to be like normative just because like with fashion or just like innovation, there's always going to be something that's going to change and it's going to be something that's within the normative like state of things. So I think at the time when people want to label what techware is, it was more kind of like, oh, this is super interesting that many people aren't doing. So it's like a new innovative idea in a sense. So it's kind of like, it's kind of hard. Hopefully I can explain, I explain that correctly, but yeah, I don't think it's necessarily like a genre until now it had became a genre. But at the time when I really got into techware, it was more about like certain brands doing things differently that are focused into like those three core of things oh, okay yeah because like i'm not really too involved in like the techware community like the extent of my knowledge is like following a few creators like yourself i follow antoine as well that's pretty much the extent of it just to like i find the topic very interesting but it's just not yeah. like a fashion sphere that i can see myself wearing anymore like i used to have a few pieces but it just didn't last kind of thing I don't know, like, I'm sure you follow a lot more people than I do. Are you seeing a lot of, like, a lot of, like, it becoming oversaturated? I think, I think maybe it's just comes down to the person who's, like, taking the time to consume the, you know, like, all forms of media in that sense. Like, for me, I'm kind of at that point where I'm very, like, exhausted from looking at all of it. And I'm actually, like looking at like other avant-garde fashion brands just because it's relatively new and I feel like there's like things to learn from them but I also look at streetwear too because I really like graphics and like I kind of like want to understand like oh why did they choose this graphic like what's the philosophy behind this graphic so yeah I don't know I'm just uh yeah I'm kind of just not really that deep into it anymore I'm also like transitioning in my own sense but I mean that's also where I came from so I'll never like forget that but yeah I think it's a in a sense yeah it is like that label's really like really being used a lot and it's really out there at the moment I, so for me I would think yeah it's kind of already there okay. it's pretty like oversaturated in its own sense but maybe it's not what I'm looking at because I don't associate with that Techware, you know, like we said earlier, like when we look at hashtag techware, is all black straps and full of like pockets, and that's Sorry. not like that doesn't make sense to me. But if you want to look at that techware, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty saturated. So it's kind of weird, like when we when I have conversations about techware with other people or who are like not really keen to it, it's like. Even for me, it's kind of like hard to like deliberate and tell them like what it is about because it's different from like where I got into it, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Is my language like that I'm using correct? Because like I, I'm calling it tech where, but I'm just trying to make sure like we're kind of like on the same page. No, no, it's totally, I, I think it's fine too. Like just because, I mean, even I still call it tech where, mm -hmm. you know, like for, but it's almost kind of like, all right, what, does techware define to you? And if we're like in that same level, okay, yeah, we both associate with that same okay. same label 
in that sense. So it's kind of like, cause I think that's probably the most skewed like <laughs> subgenre label at the moment for me at least. Cause there's so many mixed messages of like what people's interpretation for techware is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I still use techware. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, just making sure. Right. Cause I just, I don't want to like, I don't, I'm, I'm not really like talking about like the whole like scar Lord aesthetic. Like I, like, yeah. So pretty much, so pretty much what is in right now is a scar Lord aesthetic. So like as long, we're not talking about the scar Lord aesthetic, I guess like we, yeah, it, we're, we're, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Like we're talking about like kind of like acronym and like valence and like, yeah, some of, like yeah. those brands, the way they do like their like collections and stuff, that kind of thing. Yeah. And even then, they don't even call it techware, which yeah. is interesting, too. And then, like, you can tell definitely, like, when the new brands that are coming up, they would always use that quote label techware because I don't I think... so many was... brands in my head that do that, <laughs> but I don't want to get, like, sued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I have no idea what that is. No. There's, like, a drop shipping, like, thing for cargo pants. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah they, I don't know. they do that pretty much exactly. It's a... It's a disaster. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's a very weird label right now. And I also just think that Tedware kind of came from like a very organic place. I don't think people want ever use that term at all. It was just kind of like a, like a group of very small community that's paid attention to certain brands who are like really trying to push the innovation for like clothing and fashion and stuff because i mean we can so if i were to like really think about those concepts i could think that i could say like back in the early 2000s like cycling gear was like tech wear like the early tech wear but we won't call it like tech wear it was just like oh hey this is like this brand and it's uh it's made for cycling look at these gussets this have and then look at the this hood mm -hmm. and all these like really neat little functions that are there so yeah it's kind of it's kind of all over the place right now, but. <laughs> if someone's trying to like dabble into like techware and they have like to, into techware, quote unquote, and they have like a, like a, a decent amount of funds to spend, like what are some brands you, you would suggest to like said person? Ooh, okay. It's so like not like acronym level, but not like right. how about. <laughs> yeah. Let me think. I'll probably tell them to get into uh, Y3. Even now? Uh, the current yeah, time. even now. Like, I, I look at Y3 and I still like it. I may not be wearing it, but it's like, oh, like, I would still look at what's coming out this season. I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Like, I like this still. And then... Um, I'm going to take a look at the current season on Essence and just take a look. I haven't looked at into Y3 for a long time. And then I will probably tell them to like get into Stone Island too, because there's a lot of like secondhand Stone Island mm -hmm. stuff uh, on Instagram. Yeah, CP people... Company as well, probably right. Yeah, CP Company is one of them as well. And then, um, like, I mean, if people are really into it, they're usually in like a Discord already, and there's already people like offloading like their old pieces. So it's very small, but then it's it's pretty easily accessible and then 
you know, we have old season Nike lab stuff. They go for like more to half price and like after a season is over. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking at it now, like newer Y3, like especially the shoes. I don't know. It doesn't really have like that, like sleek streamline kind of appeal to it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's up to like people's interpretation. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the day. Yeah. So since like, it's like a subgenre within a subgenre. So yeah, it can get pretty confusing. So yeah. at the end, it's kind of like, you know, just wear, okay. just wear what you like. Uh, yeah, at the, end, at the end of the day, wear what you like. Yeah. Honest. Um, you kind of touched on this earlier, but like give me maybe three things about like the technical side of fashion, like with like the real good, like, like focus on quality and stuff like that. Like what about tech wear appeals to you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like give me like three, three parts of it that appeal to you. I think it's, I think a lot of it has to do with innovation and like the thought process to why things are constructed the way it's constructed. And then it's almost like asking the question why, and then when you find out why it's kind of like, whoa, like I would have never thought of that. Or like, I think it's about the process behind creating those things. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to like start a brand then? Or like start your own project? (laughs) Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with me being the only person who didn't have an educational background on the arts. And while all my friends did, and I stumbled upon sewing and I really liked it a lot. So I just kept learning and learning. And I really liked building things because growing up, I did I build Gundams and was really into like model kits growing up. So it kind of, so it's like I'm reminiscing the process of putting something together and like learning something new and just like, oh, wow, look at the end product. So it was a lot about the process. And also there, I guess I feel that there's also things that are that like, hey, I want this, like specifically this. But I, but no one's making it, so like I might as well go ahead and make it. And I also like try to. It's almost like a challenge, an exploratory aspect for myself, mainly. But yeah, I think that's a lot of the motivation, motivating force to like why I started coded. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about like your creative process? Like, you have an idea about a product, and how does that come? How does that like? How do you get from an idea to like creating the samples to narrowing it down to a final idea and then like deciding whether, whether or not you want to like <clears throat> sell it to the public? Cause I'm sure, I'm sure, and, for, and like, forgive me if I'm wrong, but do you have like, I'm sure you have a bunch of pieces that you thought were super cool, but you're not, you, you don't want to like maybe share to the public cause you're not fully satisfied with them maybe. Yeah. So I think that has to do with like my, <laughs> I guess I'm uh, like deep down, I'm also like a really hard professionist and I'm a hard critic of myself because I don't get any validation from other people. A lot of it, since I'm like a single operator when it comes to like 
sewing quality and like me comparing myself to the existing products that I already own, that kind of like hinders my confidence whether or not, okay, you know, like these brands have factories and they have a lot of people logistically working in the back to create this thing to its perfection. And me, I'm just one person who has a passion in making things, you know, just trying to see where to gauge if I have enough confidence into releasing that product. So, but yeah, to start, I think a lot of the things I make have to do with just dissatisfaction with things that I cannot find that's out there or maybe haven't discovered. So I end up generating the idea. So let's just use the sidearm that I made, for example, the little bag that's like sit on the hip, right? So um, I ha I bought many different kind of wallets and I still, you know, like the wallet goes in the pocket. And to me, when I sit down, it's like, okay, look at this bulge and it's so hard to access. Like, how can I problem solve that? So with everything that I've known or have like collectively like absorbed from what I experience that I see online in terms of design, I try to like work backwards and be like, okay, well, I want this wallet to sit outside. How, how do I do that? And then I would make a sample and then just wear it for maybe like a good three months. And then I'll come back and be like, okay, all right, does this work? Yes or no. And if it doesn't, then I go make another sample to fit that criteria. Does it sit correctly outside externally? So if it's yes, then I'll go to the next part and I'll be like, okay, do I like the aesthetic? Yes or no? And then if it's no, I'll just like brainstorm and just look at stuff online. What I like is like, oh, I like angles. You know, this is what I'm really into, you know, being really influenced in the whole like Japanese mecha stuff. Like I have a fascination with like geometric shapes and angles. So <laughs> yeah. And then it's really comes out. So a lot of the stuff that I make is like organically trying to solve a self need and then I'll run it through a process whether or not I feel satisfied. And all that comes down to like me internally of how I feel. And that will make that judgment whether or not like if it's ready or not. So it's kind of, it's kind of odd, I guess in some sense, and it does take a while. And sometimes certain designs get out quicker because you know how sometimes like you come up with an idea and say, like, oh, wow, this is an amazing idea. Oh, and you'll just hit like, look at that light bulb effect. And it's just like, okay, I'm just gonna put this out. This is already good. And there are times, because I had made things before that took almost like a year to be satisfied about. And I think when I, and I think sometimes when you're trying to solve or tackle a problem, you don't, you don't necessarily try to force yourself to solve that problem at that time. It really takes time to think about other things before coming back to solving the problem. So sometimes problem solving takes time to generate or maybe you see something or if someone tell you something that affect you into, oh, hey, I get it now. Like maybe I can solve this that way. So yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much my process. It really comes down to like how I feel, whether or not I'm satisfied with it. So it's very internal. A lot of it's just internal.
Mm-hmm. Everything you make on the website, it's like it's made to order. Is that correct? Mm, no, I've so the only thing that's made to order is the belts, and everything else are already made before I put up on the site. I kind of don't really like to have the responsibility of like, oh, hey, this person paid you know, X amount of money and it's like, oh no, I owe this person. And I feel like considering I also like to buy something and for it to come right away, like I try to avoid the made to order aspect. Maybe if it's like something as small as a belt where I could like make in, you know, an hour or two, because these bags like take like 10 hours and plus. So I, and you know, I also juggling this with like, my full-time job mm-hmm. so i make the quantities in stock and then i just put the stock online and if when people buy it it's ready to go about 90 percent of the stuff that's on there mm-hmm. awesome man that was i i like your process because it shows that you have like an attention to detail and i think with, with something as like as detail-oriented as like the branch of fashion that you're interested in it has to be that way so it's, it's good that you like approach it the way that you do um shit i lost my train of thought okay backtracking a little bit right so like there's like, again like on instagram there's a lot of like small brands starting like new companies and stuff right like, like a group right, of people right. starting companies and they all have like pretty similar aesthetic, right? It's like kind of like Americana, like workwear kind of thing. Maybe that's just what I'm like, what I'm seeing because of who I follow on Instagram, maybe, I'm not sure. Right. Are there a lot of like startup, like t- like te- like like technical clothes, like tech work clothing companies? I'm, is that a thing? I'm not really seeing much of that. You know what, I don't, you know what, I don't really know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as far, as far as I've seen, like a lot of them are like, brands made in china and yeah it's interesting because i get dms from people that are like hey this looks exactly the same thing that you make and i'm like what is this yeah and i go and look i was like oh dang i was like oh they they, they, they copied the entire design to start a whole brand behind it <laughs> wow you know, and it's yeah it, yeah i've gotten a couple of that already and yeah <laughs> it's kind of a, an obstacle to just be like oh yeah whatever you know not care because i invested a lot of like time and emotional value in investing like my craft and design you know but as far as i know i don't really know and i think that people can find like tech wear in the like non-tech wear genre like uh brands you know because i think naturally every brand is going to try to come up with something unique or innovative in their own sense. And that's just like a natural process, kind of like evolution. Mm-hmm. No, no, I totally get you. Yeah. I'm totally like very open to like try to send some stuff to people and talk about it because I spend so much time designing. I don't feel like I have the time to create content and like market myself and you know, there's only so much time in a day, you know, and I spend a lot of time like in the development process because, you know, I'm like a one man manufacturer and that takes a lot of time, like from sourcing to like development and then to like draft it and do it over and over again. And then before I'm confident releasing something, 
I have to make the same product at least 10 times to know, all right, the stitching is correct. This is good. And then after that 10 that comes scrap, I then make the final draft of everything that's like ready to go out. So yeah, it's a time consuming process. And I kind of like wish I could hand those things to like other people, but I don't know. I'm just kind of like walking this journey, you know, very organically. And when I meet people that could help me out, it just happens. And it's, yeah, it's more like exploratory process more so than like a fixed, like, you know, just forced brand, I guess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have, like a loaded question, but, and like, I don't really know like how to ask this, but like, what can we expect from you in like in the coming year? <clears throat> I know it's a loaded Ooh. question because I'm, I'm sure you don't even know what's going to happen <clears throat> with your design process, but like, do you have any ideas in the works that you're like comfortable sharing? Yeah. So I think there was a point that was gone for a year uh, and I was like not in social media. I was just like shut in and didn't want to like look at anything on Instagram. I spent that year developing like four different bags. So right now, like with the new stuff that I just released, that is bag number three. So I already had drafted like a creation or a bag that's ready to go for the next drop. So I'm, I'm really just playing catch up right now to like fine tune every design and just practice making it. So yeah, I guess you'll just expect like a, uh, like a cross body bag, <laughs> maybe something ar- along the lines of uh, a grocery bag. Cause I feel like that will t- fin- complete the whole, like my process of like what I think an ideal bag or innovative bag would be. And then I'm also getting clothes made right now. And I'm working with like a really good friend of mine that I met online. You know, we just build a relationship just talking about design and just like what we're into and like why we're doing it. And it just felt purposeful. So he reached out and was like, hey, like I really like your stuff and like you should be doing more. And I was like, I don't know anybody. And he's like, look, I don't usually do this, but yeah, I'm willing to help you out. So uh, he and I are like developing clothes right now. So, but you know, with COVID and stuff, process is taking a while, which is fine. I don't mind, but yeah, I guess you could be expecting like a higher level of story again, because a lot of my stuff is very story driven as opposed to just, oh, here, this is my stuff and look at all these uh shots and function because i care about story so awesome man i'm excited to see it man absolutely um thank you thank you yeah uh i'm gonna change the script a little bit but like you were saying like when you got started in fashion a lot of your friends were like telling you like basically listen man you need to like be a bit more confident and stuff what are some of the practices that they told you to to do I don't know if I really necessarily learned much of anything. Or like I think what's, I was, what are some things that you've learned along the way, maybe, as just as you got older? Okay. Uh, I guess don't be afraid to try something different. Don't be afraid to, like, talk to people because maybe you guys have more common than you, you know, like, see them on the outside. And uh, I think a lot of it's just, like, you got nothing to lose. Why not just try, you know? So 
that's really the main takeaway for me. I want to hear a little bit more about like, because you're saying you're like a, you're a perfectionist. I want to hear a little bit more about, about that. Cause I think perfectionism is one of the worst things. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm an asshole, but like, I just think perfectionism. No. So like, I just want to hear more about like what, like about your thoughts about the whole process. Oh, perfectionism. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I, sometimes I feel like, what do you call it? Uh, I think sometimes I think of perfectionism as like an irony because like no one could really achieve perfectionism and just like some people may think, you know, yeah, I'm a really good singer, but then you can't really sing, you know, I think it's just like a matter of perspective. And I know I keep like trying to make something perfect. And I think that's just like naturally a mindset that everyone wants to you know achieve and I think that has a lot to do with like self-confidence with just like presenting yourself or like hey this is you know like of a quote-unquote perfect product and whatnot but I think I would say like for me when I say try to reach perfection it's just more like try to convince myself that I'm confident enough to say, hey, this design's great, go ahead and like present this, you know? So I don't necessarily see perfectionist as a thing that someone could ever achieve because everybody makes mistakes and like many people have different ideals of what perfectionist is. But it's, but for me, it's like a process in reflecting upon myself to see if I am personally confident enough to present myself to to other people, I guess in that sense. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. That makes a lot of sense because you approach it from a very different way than what I approach it from. Like I'll, I'll quickly explain the way I, I, I approach perfectionism and then maybe you can like give me a response to it. Yeah. Let's say like someone's making, uh, let me just think, I need to come up with an example. Basically the way I see it is perfectionism is a way to procrastinate and then it causes it to the point of getting nothing done because like like you said you're never gonna be perfect so i think good enough is a good enough place is a good enough place to strive for right, right where it's where it's good enough to release to the public it's good enough to generate generate like people like coming back to you as like customers maybe or like if it's for artwork or if it's for like a, like for clothes and stuff like maybe I'll use your bag for an example. Like I'm sure like you've reached a point in like the sampling process where the stitching is per the stitching is perfect. It's like water repellent perfectly. It fits well. It sits well on the body. It holds like everything you want it to hold well, but you still scrap it, right? Like I'm I'm sure you've reached that because it's not quite a hundred percent there. And like that's where that's where I don't really like. That's where I don't really. Maybe I don't understand it, but that's where I don't like. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I feel like I'm kind of going in <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do get it. Yeah, because there are some creations that are like, oh, yeah, this is an amazing idea. And I go and make it. And then the end product isn't the same as I imagine it. So I go ahead and like, wow, this is such a dumb idea. And I get mad at myself for it. And I'm like, can't believe I spent all this time doing this. So, you know, like, I'll just get pissed and I'll just throw that design away and just try try again the next day. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. My perfectionism is one of the things I'm trying to get to the bottom of. Like, I'm not, I'm asking, I ask like a lot of the people on the podcast, like a similar question. I just want to hear their thoughts on it. I don't know. Yeah. I think professional perfectionism is just more like, <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm shooting for. And, uh, did I, did I reach that? Yes or no. And then, but yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's more like a natural thing because when we're growing up, we're always told to, hey, you got to do this correctly, you know? So it's more like, I guess we're molded in a way because since, you know, I work with kids in like the, uh, in the psych field and we're always telling them, hey, you got to write this letter like this. This is how you're supposed to write it. So it's almost kind of like, at least when I think of perfectionist or any professional, sorry, (coughs) Uh, perfectionism or whether it kind of feel to me, it feels like a reminder that, you know, we're structurally to be told this is how it's supposed to be done. And it's almost like we're trying to create a resistance in like, what do you call it? I don't know how to explain it. It's like, let me see. It's like you're trying to fight what you're molded to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like you're challenging a boundary that you're used to. You're not, that you're not used to crossing. It's like resistance. It's like resistance towards something. So it's, I guess like, it's almost like you're being reminded of that time where you're told to do something, but is, you know, like you're the best of what you can do is the ultimate output. I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe I'm going around circles myself. No, that makes, that makes sense. It kind of like, how can help me flesh out like my argument? Because like you said, like, there's a lot of ways of doing, you said like, when you're a kid, you're taught like there. You taught there's only one way to do things correctly, but there's like a lot of ways to do things correctly. But there's only one way. Yeah. I think there may be only one way to do it perfectly, right? And all those correct ways right. are fine. Achieving for that perfection is what keeps you creating. But achieving for that perfection, I think, too early is where it becomes like perfectionism. Maybe. Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a very philosophical topic. <laughs> I don't know. It, that stuff's interesting yeah. to me, man. I don't know. And like <clears throat> yeah. everyone I talk to has a different response to it, right? And like I learn a little bit here and there. I think the like the guests I have learns a little bit here and there. So I don't know. It's a cool thing, man. I don't know. I don't know what can I say. So um, I mean, how what do you do like in terms of, you know, because I'm sure you're doing things that you question whether or not, like, hey, is this perfect? So like what's your process and like how do you get out? of like this fucking stuck. podcast is my like little thing man <laughs> <laughs> this whole podcast is like my like i'm not perfect i don't know what the hell i'm doing i stutter a lot when i talk Ooh, i say like yeah. a lot talk the whole show <laughs> this, this show's a mess but i love doing it man and i love learning from it that's what that's what, kind of what keeps me going like i don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think i ever want to make the perfect podcast because then i'll be like all right wh- where to go from here yeah that's great you know and i kind of and i like that too because it's like it just has more character involved and you know like you can tell like the mistake you make is something that you can only ultimately achieve 
because you did that mistake, you know? It's got like a character and a twist to itself. Yeah. Perfectionist is, you know, perfectionism is not really perfectionism at the end of the day. It's kind of like an identity that you associate with of what you think you ultimately want to achieve or have mm-hmm. in that aspect. Yeah. Do you think that, do you think like my criticism is fair when I say it? in action wait can you elaborate on that like i was saying like like if you continue striving for creating something perfect you never release something decent or like good enough to the public you're never gonna grow you're never gonna get closer to reaching that point and it leads you to the point of inaction like kind of like paralysis by analysis kind of thing like you're just like okay cool this sucks this sucks this sucks this i can change this i can't change and you end up not releasing anything right i see i don't know i think i never really like stumble upon that i think for me it's like i feel like striving for perfection is a motivative drive like i want to keep presenting something new every time because I know it's not perfect and I'm always trying to make a new iteration of an ex you know of an existing design that I make to try to improve on it I don't know I guess for me a lot of it is like a motivating drive yeah. I I but I yeah that's interesting I don't think I even talk to anybody that's kind of in the loop that's kind of just like yeah, it's kind of hindering me from doing it because I don't think it's perfect enough to be presented to the world. Yeah, it's kind of like the other side to the coin, right? I think it just depends on the kind yeah. of person that you are. I think at the end of the day, I think there's just, there just has to be a balance. Yeah. Involved, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's weird stuff, man. It's interesting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all the questions I have, man. We kind of went went around in circles, man. It was it was a good episode. I think there's gonna be a lot of value in this. All right, thank you. Yeah, I hope so too. Because <laughs> honestly, like, I'm super like not confident about podcasts and stuff. Like I said, you know, like I sent the emails. Like, yeah, I want to try it because, you know, I think it'll make me a better person when I like you know just talking i guess now like straight up and i'm not even trying to like butter you up or anything you actually did really well oh okay yeah thanks yeah i appreciate it more when like someone goes off on tangents and stuff and maybe that's just the kind of person i am where they like go off on a tangent and they kind of bring it back and you did that really well rather than just like answering the question like an interview style yeah i don't know i was already i was also told that when i try to express myself i go on a tangent and then like you know what are you trying to say but i feel like the way my i think is very it's so fast that my words being spoken couldn't keep up with like the way i think so i don't know i guess i'm just like that <laughs> yeah because like I, I i'm kind of that way as well but like it kind of it kind of reaches an extent like when i'm talking to someone and i go off on a tangent and they interrupt me and they say where are you going with this it kind of proves to me that they're not listening. Cause in my head, I'm kind of just like, this kind of follows a logical sort of like 
stepwise format but then they're yeah. like okay what are you trying to say because then it kind of says like they're not listening because yeah not yeah yeah i mean it just up. feels better to organically talk like i always really like things that happen naturally absolutely man yeah yeah no, I'm, I'm i'm the same way definitely <clears throat> um all right my last question where can the people find you oh uh they can find me <clears throat> sorry no worries they can find me on uh, IG, uh, Chris, which is C-H-R-I-S-J-S-W, which is basically my full name with initials. And you guys can also find me on uh, underscore coded.com to see all my work and stuff and my creation. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Beautiful, man. Appreciate you for coming on, eh? Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. Let me stop recording. All right.